Good morning, everyone. How is everyone doing? Yeah? Do you guys remember this from last year? I'm going to put that right there. All right. Oh, I'm pressing the wrong button. All right. So today we are going to be talking about meditation. Uh, Tell your neighbor, what do you know about meditation? It can be nothing. You can say, I don't know anything, but it might be something. So go ahead and turn to them. What do you know about meditation? Anything at all. Don't worry, I'm not going to call on anybody. (laughs) But this was the interactive portion of today's uh, lesson. Um, Did you know that meditation is actually your duty? You are actually encouraged, not just encouraged, but this is actually something that we are all supposed to engage in. So uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Justin Wirth. And as you can see from these pictures, I am the most dignified of the uh, elders here. It's also my family, and uh, and it is just it is a real pl- privilege and pleasure to be able to uh, help run this uh, program. Uh, Eddie's not here today, otherwise I'd acknowledge him. Uh, my wife uh, also helps out, and then CJ is definitely here at all of the camps, um, and it is so good. And if you are a member of the youth, go ahead and stand up. This is their interactive portion as well. Take a look at them. Yes. <laughs> That is the future of the Christian church, and it is, uh, it's, it is a good future. It is a good future. So um, today, in a, in a lot of ways, I've been preparing this message for years, and, uh, but in a much more real sense, I was really preparing it uh, this last week and uh, really trying to dig in and present to you something that's been weighing on my heart uh, very heavily. Uh, I mentioned this already. Last year, uh, I was preaching on Ephesians 5, and um, 15 through 16, which of course says, look carefully then how you walk, not as the unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. And I pointed out that uh, this is a, my life calendar. Sorry for everyone that this is the glare I pointed up. Um, this is my life calendar. And uh, every week I, I get to fill in one more week of my life. Some might say it's a check off until I die. Um, and in which case it is. But uh, if you were with me a year ago, we've all made it one row across uh, since there. So we are all one year older. Um, and I got to always be asking myself, am I living this life the way that the Lord has asked me to, uh, has commanded me to, and has promised uh, blessings and joy uh, with? And so I am always really inspired. Uh, every week I'm just thinking, okay, Justin, are you doing the thing? And if I am doing the thing, it's a good week. And if I'm not doing the thing, I'm like, okay, next week I'll do better. Next week I'll do better. I would like you to turn to your neighbor and just tell them, again, uh, how much screen time for entertainment do you think the average American, that would be all of you as well, you are also average Americans, uh, but how much do you think the average American is consuming on a daily basis? Screen time... All right, suddenly we got a lot more response over here. Uh, this one is going to be a little bit more interactive here. So let's, uh, let's shout out some numbers over here. What do, what do you think some numbers are? 12, 40 hours a day or a week? A week, a week, yeah. 16 hours a day? 16 hours a day. All right, we'll go over to the, six. Okay, six is a good number. And then right over here, 
oligosocene, some six. Yeah. So the actual average is of actually, um, oh, I didn't even write it down, but I, I'll put it down here for you. It is six hours and 58 minutes. Six hours and 58 minutes of time that the average American is spending on entertainment, on entertainment only. Okay, so does that surprise everybody? Or does that not surprise everybody? I have a student, and uh, I, I oftentimes will ask the students, I'm like, hey, you didn't do the work this week. I'm a, I'm a high school teacher, if you didn't know that. Uh, I said, you didn't do the work this week. Yeah, I was busy. I'm like, oh, what, really? And then they're like, okay, here it comes. I said, go ahead and take out your phone. Let me see your screen time. Because well, that is on your phone, by the way. You can actually see how much time you are doing this. And uh, I kid you not, this girl had 13 hours a day, as an average, 12 hours on TikTok. A day, daily average, daily average. And I said, do you think that might be a problem? No. <laughs> but didn't you realize that you didn't do this assignment? I don't know. Okay, okay, okay. So now I go, go ahead and point over here is, here's the big question. It's the question that I ask myself, you know, as I look at my own life calendar and how I'm spending my day. Um, what are you personally consuming? Uh, how is that consumption affecting you, and um, how is it affecting your mind? Those are three think, questions that you really should be thinking about um, as we consume all sorts of things. You know, we're a pretty marginally diverse crowd, um, but certainly we have a lot of age demographics here. And um, how, much, how much news, just whisper to your neighbor, how much news do you suppose you consume on a day, on a daily basis? Now, that number's going to be a little different from our, from our older, uh, you know, saints here. The younger saints are going to be consuming a lot more social media. Turn to your neighbor. How much social media are you consuming? Okay. Okay. So then the follow-up question is, is that having an impact on your life. Now, you can say one of three things to you. To me, you might say, Justin, that's none of your business. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, you might also say, uh, what I'm consuming isn't inappropriate. I am at total liberty to be consuming as much as I am. Um, and you might also say that it's not a problem. And I would say, yeah, okay, sure, I don't know you. <laughs> you, you, you yeah, that's between you and the Lord, right? Um, but, you know, for me, this is actually something that does shine a light as I'm thinking about what am I consuming? What am I thinking about? How are the hours of my life, which, again, are ticking down every single day. That's that, my, my poster here. Um, what am I doing with, with this time here? Uh, give me a thumbs up like you agree with the statement or thumbs down you disagree with the statement. Um, do things in the culture, do they look good or bad? Okay. That actually was a little confusing because I said give me thumbs up if you agree, but then but that's okay. You guys you did the right thing. Yes. Okay, so statistically, we're, we're not doing super good. Let's just take a look at a couple of cultural indicators of things that are going on. Uh, how many, there are 582,000 homeless people in America today. 582,000. Um, there are 171,000 uh, who are living in California. So almost a third of all homeless people live in California. Um, last year, 74,000 people died of a drug overdose. That's a lot, of, a lot of people. To put that into perspective, that would be like everyone in Lake Forest dying this year, and then again next year, and then again the year after that, every year after year after year. And we might ask ourselves, like, how does that happen? Like, how does, 
how do, like, you know, I think about my own little girls, right? They're, they're big now, but they, they were little, right? And I, and I looked at them, and I'm like, oh, baby, you're going you're gonna to grow up. But not, not area one, I think, ever thinks, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to die on the street homeless. That is a good plan. The real question is, how do we go from, you know, living in our homes, everything is nice, to potentially dying, being one of those 74,000 people that die on the street? Uh, now, the message is about meditation, so my answer would be, you're probably meditating on the wrong thing, and enough time spent meditating on the wrong thing is going to lead you uh, in the wrong area. Think about this, crime is up and prosecution is down. Um, 30,000 people are murdered every year in this country. 290,000 people are injured or killed because of distracted driving. I don't know, what is distracted driving code for? Being on your cell phone while you're driving. Almost 300,000 people were either injured or killed last year because they had to be on their phone. And again, because the, mes- the message is about meditation, they're like, I need this little fix. I need to meditate on whatever my, you know, my consumption of choice is. You know, it might be knitting, but if you are obsessively checking knitting threads all the time, then that, is, that might be a problem. Um, <laughs> You know, other statistics, 2.5 million people entered America illegally last year. Um, 50% of Americans age 12 and older have used drugs at least once in their life. 50%, one in two. You can look to the left, look to the right. Statistically speaking, one of you has used drugs. Now, maybe not, maybe because you were at church, but that doesn't say that that the church is, you know, for perfect people, this is a, a hospital for sick people. And of I am the chief among them. That's right. 24% of people today uh, who are taking drugs uh, do say that they have a drug problem. How about the spiritual realm? How are things going on in the spiritual realm? In 2018 and 2019, 65% of American adults identified as Christian. That number has dropped 12 percentage points in a decade. So the number of people who are claiming Christianity. Religiously unaffiliated group, including atheists, agnostics, and those specifically uh, who have no specific religious identity, has increased from uh, up to 26% from 17%. And for my Gen Z student, that is the current generation, 38% believe that religion is very important, uh, while 62% says that it is not important. But of that 38%, only 4 have a biblical point of view. And in a recent survey of Gen Z young adults, 28% identify as being LGBTQ. There is, there is a higher probability that Gen Z is identifying as LGBTQ than actually identifying as Christian. Are things looking so good for the home team out there? Not so good. You know, and it's not just the outward signs of cultural decline that are at the problem. People just feel pessimistic. They look at the world and they just have a negative view. Um, This graph you can see right here, 63% of adults uh, just have a generally pessimistic view about the the, the state of the future, the way things are going. 41% of Americans today are afraid of inflation and being poor. 31% uh, are daily afraid of crime and being the victim of crime. Um, And to this day, there are still about 8% of people who are deathly afraid of COVID um, and dying uh, because of that. That number was much higher, obviously, during the pandemic, but it's down to 8%, and it's, it's, that number is staying statistic, or consistent, I should say. And then in just four years, what has, have we seen as a culture? 
By the way, a lot of these images were made by the AI. I love the AI. So you're like, that's strangely prophetic. OK. Um, in the last four years, we've seen the pandemic. We've seen uh, cultural unrest. We've seen the fear of COVID vaccine. You know, after the fear of COVID virus, we have seen the rise of gas prices, the uncertainty of inflation, and now the wars in Ukraine and Israel, war in China, potentially, and uh, several Middle East nations. And what are people doing? People are staging protests about the weather, the economy, the government corruption, racial injustice. And this is a long, long, long way of just saying people are upset and afraid. Should the church be joining them in that fear? Is that our message to the world? Yeah, it's really bad out there and it's not going to get better. Is that what we say the world? What do we say? We say that Christ is reigning, that all things are happening according to his will, and that there is an ultimate victory found in him, and that the history of the world is going to end in victory. We don't sit in defeat today. We sit amongst defeated people, and we point, say, the battle has already been fought. The battle has already been won. That is what we need to be meditating on, right? All the way back to the message here. How about young adults? I don't want to be too dour, but let's, uh, this, this actually does paint the picture. By the way, so, uh, you know, the young people, they love memes. I don't know if you are also enjoy memes, but the, the memes of Gen Z are the most nihilistic things that are out there. They are very, very sad. You can see here, nothing in life matters. That is kind of the, the rallying cry for Gen Z. Our teenagers have to fear fitting in, getting into the right school, failure, and mental health. 42% of Gen Z currently has some mental disorder, some diagnosed mental disorder. One in two almost. They fear missing out. They have family issues. They're afraid of the future. They're afraid of romantic relationships. One in five people in Gen Z think they will never own a home. And uh, this is the, the largest gr group that grows with nihilism, the belief that nothing matters in life and it's not going to get better. That's that's the world. That's what the world is saying. And I would contend to you today that that is what, when we are meditating on the things of the world, this is what we're imbibing. This is what we're, we're drinking in. And show of hands, does this seem like something that you want to drink as well? Okay, so nobody. Nobody raised their hand on here. So here's the point. Biggest point for us today. You do not have to consume the things that are making you upset. You didn't need me for that. We could all just go home, right? But... Uh, I'm going to say it again. You do not have to consume the things that are making you upset and making you afraid. In fact, we're commanded not to. Alex already read for us our key verse today, and that is, again, Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise— Think about these things. Mentally assess yourself. Is that what you're consuming on a regular basis? You don't have to raise your hand or anything like that, but just maybe think about yourself. Is that the, the first thing that you look at when you, when you wake up? I'm going to look at something beautiful. I'm going to look at something just. I'm going to look at something commendable. Or, you know, do you go into fear porn of news? you got to find out what's happening. By the way, have you ever affected anything with the news? 
Has knowing that information, has it ever actually contributed in something that you've done? Maybe yes, maybe no. I don't know. We're all, we're very, you know, mixed group here. If you want to take notes, I'd I'd encourage that. I got a lot of things to say here. Um, There's a good aphorism. A short pencil is always better than a long memory. And, uh, you know, just having something that you can write about and think about. My students gave you uh, this uh, really cool piece of paper. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later. Um, there might be a little room at the bottom uh, if you want to jot anything down. But, uh, or you can take out your phones. I don't care. It's all good. I will just assume that if you're on your phone, you're, you're taking notes. First and foremost, the things that we think about, look at, meditate on, really make us the people that we are. Right? There's, again, another aphorism that says you are the combination of the, the, people, the five people you spend the most time with. That is your personality. So you can just, like, what's my personality like? Just look at your five closest friends and you'll be like, oh, that's probably a good approximation of who I am. And similarly, the, I would say the five things that you spend your time. Again, if the average American is consuming 6.8 hours of, uh, of, um, of entertainment every day. I would say that the things that you're watching, meditating, being in, you know, finding enjoyment with, that is ultimately filling in uh, what you think and how you view the world. And uh, if we meditate on things that are going to make us afraid, we're going to be afraid. It might sound simple, but the answer is don't do that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, again, uh, only, only the hard-hitting stuff from me, right? I want to talk uh, briefly about why we should not meditate on evil, right? Why that should be, you know, kind of the opposite of what we do. Um, but that is ultimately the short answer. Meditate on what's good. Don't meditate on what's bad. You'll have a successful life. Um, we're going to go to Romans 8, 5 through 6. This is what the Lord says. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. We can obviously see that this is a binary choice. You can choose good or you can choose bad. There isn't a gray in there, although the culture loves to put, uh, make things into, you know, some sort of in-between state. The flesh is called... uh, Defined for us in other parts of the Bible, the lusts of the, the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, whereas the things of the Spirit are mentioned, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are our polar opposites. These are the two paths that we can go down minute by minute, day by day, week by week sad thing is, is that the love of the world can often take us away from Christ. Take us away from Christ, or maybe more terrifyingly, prove that we had not actually made a commitment for Christ in the first place. 2 Timothy uh, 4.10, Paul says, Demas, having loved this present age, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. And I can see this, one, as Demas— you know, slipped back into willful captivity. He saw the world and he's like, ah, that looks better than what you're dealing with in jail. Like, I don't, I don't want that. I want, you know, I want good stuff. I want nice things, right? I, I don't know. Not for me. I'm going to go back to Thess- Thessalonica. 
We could also read this as though Demas really demonstrated the fact that he hadn't actually become a Christian because his preoccupation with the world was imbalanced. And he would choose that rather than uh, serving with Paul and, uh, and staying with the Lord. So it's a scary thought. And even some of you might think about people that you've known just in your own life who, through just the love of the world, they've, they've lost their, uh, their faith. They lost their focus. They, they, they took their eyes off Christ and they put it on something and it ended up shipwrecking their whole life. If we were to have life and peace, we have to focus on the things of the Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> and we know that peace means, uh, but what does life mean? What does it mean to have life? Is it just more time to do stuff and things? I don't know. I, I tend to think about what it says in John 10.10, 10, that I came to give you life and life in abundance. Not just a spillover of years, but a life abounding with joy and gladness and thanksgiving. A life that is deep and abiding in sanctification and satisfaction. And if you were to look at the world, the world always just looks like a corpse. It doesn't look like something you want to touch or be near. The, the closer I am to Christ, the, the more I think, oh, I, I want this. I don't want this. We want to be meditating on the word and the law and our God who loves us, our God who is ever faithful, our God who is kind and compassionate and merciful. Oh, that's the stuff I want to be thinking about. I don't need to fill my day with the ick from the world. The second one might touch a couple of people. I thought, all right, do I really want to share this one? I'm like, yeah, I do want to, I do want to share this one. But it, it, might, it might hit a little bit. I'm going to say, just for the sake, there, there is some Christian liberty, of course, allowed. But I would also maybe say, mm, there's a possibility that this is going to hit in a, in a wrong way, but also in, in a right way. Uh, Romans 12, 9 says this, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Vocabulary question. Tell your neighbor, what does the word abhor mean? Abhor. Again, you can always say, I don't know. They won't think bad. The word abhor means to hate, to absolutely hate. We are commanded to do two things. One, hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. A positive command and a negative command. And so my question is, do you hate evil? Or do you tolerate evil? Or do you consume evil and perhaps even enjoy it? Um, I, as you know, I'm a man, and being a man, I think about the Roman Empire from time to time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I worked that one in. Um, <laughs> You know, oftentimes, actually, oftentimes I do think about the Roman Empire, and oftentimes I do think about the gladiatorial games, and there are moments in my life where I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm watching this, you know, like John Wick. My wife and I ha had watched John Wick, and I was like, oh, that was really fun. And then I watched it a few years later, and I was like, ooh, I don't feel good about watching this, um, because she and I had made a commitment that we weren't going to be consuming things like that. And, and it got me thinking about the, the Roman Colosseum, and I think about all of the, those Romans who are there to be excited, to be titillated by, by the death and the maiming that they saw in the games. And I asked myself, is it okay for me to be watching this simulated death? Like, I mean, is it, 
is it really a problem? I mean, or is it okay because it's not real? It's not real. It's just imaginary. But I mean, I'm having, I assume, the same reaction, the same excitement. My heart beats a little bit faster. I get a little bit more, you know, just like, oh, and I get excited and you know, things like that. And, and again, like my daughter's getting older, so we can start watching the, my favorite movies when I was, uh, you know, a teenager and we're watching them. And we've watched a couple and I'm just like, did I really just show that? Like, th- was that really good? I remember thinking, I loved it as a kid, but as an adult man, as, as somebody who is spending more and more of his time meditating on what's good, I'm like, oof. Why did I just show that? Maybe there, again, different Christian households are going to handle this differently, but I would, just, I would just ask you to maybe consider, is this glorifying evil or good? Uh, I think there can be a place for adventure movies and things like that. I just want to, you know, speak out there. But when it's glorifying, reveling in evil and wickedness, I, I, think, I, I think we can all say that that is not something that you would want to watch with Jesus if he was watching it with you. He's like, hey, what are we doing tonight? Oh, we're going to watch this great movie. Great. Would you put it on? And if the answer is no, then you probably should not watch it. We're also going to get a little, a little darker here as well. <laughs> you know, we might say, well, at least I'm not participating in various sins. But here's the statistics of pornography. The average age of pornographic exposure is 12. 90% of teens and 96% of 20-year-olds either have an encouraging, accepting, or neutral attitude when they talk about porn with their friends. 68% of divorce cases involve one party um, meeting a new lover over line. And... um, 64% 64% of, 56% of divorces um, are initiated because of pornography use. 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say that they watch porn at least once a month. Pornography replaces the drive to connect and turns people into things to consume. They become objects as opposed to subjects, where the Lord wants us to have subjects. Um, you know, there is 10,000 terabytes of porn right now. To, to give you a perspective, that's 7,770,000 hours of sexual content online. If you wanted to watch all of it, you would have had to start 886 years ago and watch it continuously, 24 hours a day, year after year after year. 886 years. And here's another shocking thing. Th- most of it was made in the last 30 years. One of the largest uh, new demands for pornography is transgender pornography, which went up 75% last year. Because the thing about pornography is, and especially if you've struggled with it or are struggling with it, is that one is not enough. It's not as exciting. And so it requires a deeper and deeper and oftentimes more um, bizarre, uh, strange, violent to get the same sort of experience. And one of the most startling facts is this. Porn movie consumption in hotels are at the highest rates during Christian conferences, more than any other time. Now, this is, this is startling. This is shocking. You know, my friend Eddie, who's not here today, we, uh, also one of the elders, you know, we've been talking about, like, how can we address this? How can we talk about this? Because this is something that, you know, we often don't really bring up because it's, it's icky and it's kind of personal. It's very personal. But um, it is something that we ought to be struggling against because, again, if we're meditating, 
what are we meditating on and what effect is it having on our minds? What's it having on the generations to come? Again, almost 30% of Gen Z is LGBTQ and the transgender movement is very high. And how does it happen? It happens based on the things that people are taking in and consuming. So again, I will just say, as we think about this Romans verse, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. And I think statistically speaking, Christians are doing a rotten job. I think they're just doing a rotten job at that. So what's the cure? I don't want to, we've, we've now gone down into the valley. We're going to go up into the mountain now. Everything's going to be positive from this point on. But here's the cure. How can you live a life that's pleasing to God? Meditate on him. Meditate on his promises. Meditate on his word. That's the answer. You will, call, you, will, you will cure all of your ills if this defines your life. Yeah, but it's hard. Yeah, but it's boring. I've already read the Bible before. Or I'm getting around to it. You do not want to have excuses like that when you stand before the Lord. All right, this is the cure. This will actually help solve things. So turn to your neighbor. A little thought experiment. So you just, yes or no. Um, can God lie and does God lie? Tell your neighbor, can God lie and does God lie? <laughs> Congregation, go ahead and tell me what the answer is. Correct. The answer is no. God cannot lie. God is not man that he should lie or the son of a man that he should change his mind. He has said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie has promised before the world began and that by the two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We can have a strong consolation. Church, I tell you this, I remind you this, because oftentimes we read, do you believe in this? Yes. And then functionally, no, we don't actually do the things. Like, do you believe? Yes, God is in control of all things. Also, I'm panicky and I have to control everything. It's, it's this bipolar split thing that we need to be meditating on all of the time. So let's talk about what Christian meditation is versus what Eastern meditation is. Christian meditation is not what the New Age or the Buddhists do where they are trying to empty their mind. We are filling up our mind. It is our duty that God's people um, have been required to be doing. I mean, it is, God says, hey, you will have a life that is blessed. You will be like a tree planted by a stream if you meditate on my law. And you're like, yeah. But also, there are better things on television, we might say to ourselves. I read somewhere that uh, meditation is the lubrication that, for the engine of our life. Repentance, faith, humility, the fruit of the Spirit. It strengthens our relationship with God, our fellow Christians, and it helps us live well in the world. And if you're not living well in the world, again, it might be a, just not, a little gut check, maybe check engine light. You're like, oh, I am missing my oil, um, in which case I'm missing my meditation. By the way, I will just kind of say for all the parents out there, you probably knew that your child was sick um, when they immediately stopped eating their food, right? It's one of the first things, like, oh, yeah, I feel a little ill, I'm a little hot. But it was like, hey, it's dinner time. I'm not hungry. Okay, that's a problem. Okay, that's a problem. We recognize. And I think it's the same for us as well. If you find that you're not actually interested in reading the word, that might be, again, just a sign that there's a little spiritual uh, illness uh, going on inside your heart. Meditation is different than Bible reading. 
Um, Bible reading is you're, you know, you're trying to, you're taking in, you're taking in, you're taking in, but if you're not actually thinking about it, if you're not actually keeping it in mind, it's like throwing food at your mouth and, and hoping for the best, right? <laughs> I don't know why I'm hungry all the time. <laughs> you should keep on missing. Yeah. Um, I read somewhere, and I think this is actually pretty clever. Um, oftentimes, I think we struggle with a form of spiritual bulimia where we're taking it in, but if we're not keeping it in, it's just immediately coming out. The opposite is a form of like spiritual anorexia where you're just like, I'm, I'm Christian, I know these things, but I never read my Bible. It's like, okay, it's not a healthy thing, and it's certainly not what the Lord has commanded and encouraged us to do. One of my favorite uh, Puritans, Thomas Manton, in the 16th century said, Faith is lean and ready to starve to death unless it be fed with continual meditation on the promises of God. Faith is always lean. And again, those times in your life where you're just like, I don't know if I can trust the Lord, it might be an indicator that you're not thinking about and, and meditating on everything that he said. He has promised. You've already confirmed to me that you believe that God does not lie and he will not lie. So when he says, I will take care of you, but then you act like he's not going to, that is your faith and it's just, it's not making that connection. You have to be meditating. You're like, okay, I am not feeling well. I'm not understanding, but God has said that he's going to make my path straight. So, okay, I guess I will just, I'm going to go forward then. Christian without meditation is like a soldier without a weapon or a workman without his tools. And without meditation, the truth of God is just not going to stay in it. Your heart will remain hard. Your memory will remain slippery. And without meditation, the words of our God are just going to be lost. And I know that that is definitely the case for me. I can assume it's probably the case for many of us as well. We've read our word. We've gone to our Bible studies and an hour, a day, a week, empty, gone. Where is it? So how should we meditate? I got some practical steps for you. Step number one. Step number one. In the morning, you ought to clear your mind, right? You clear your mind and just say, okay, I'm going to Devote this time to the Lord, and I'm going to just, (sighs) okay, Lord, here we go. I would also say that it's probably not a wise idea to consume something that's bad and then immediately start trying to meditate on the world. Like, okay, I wake up, check my phone, scroll through Fox News. Okay, now I'm ready to pray. Now I'm ready to worship. Maybe pray and be like, Lord, help us, right? But then you're going to go in and your, your heart's going to be all junked up with, with gunk, right? Maybe, maybe start your day with some music, right? Something, something positive, something to just not add anything to your already heavy bag. So start the day, meditate, and, um, and just ask the Lord to, to, uh, to help you focus. Number two is confess any sins or any contamination that you have had and picked up since the last time you spoke with him. All right? We should always be keeping our ledgers short. The cool thing is, the amazing thing is, is that once you are saved, you are saved. Right? Amen. Absolutely. You know, I think about Peter. Peter, on the night of the Last Supper, Jesus comes and he, he's going to wash everyone's feet. And Peter's like, no, not me, Lord. And he's like, no, if I don't do it, you're not going to have a part with me. He's like, okay, well, then also get the rest of me as well. He's like, Peter, you just need your feet, right? And that's us as well. When we were first saved, we needed the whole fixing, right? But 
after that fact, now it's just a matter of like, let's just keep our feet clean. And the Lord is grateful and, uh, and perfect to keep us clean. But we don't need the full thing. Step number three, ask for the Holy Spirit's help. Say, okay, this is your time. I need you to lead me and to guide me. I need you to help me stay focused. If you find yourself slipping in, thinking about other things, your mind starts to wander, you say, okay, Lord, I wandered away. Let me come right back, and then you come right back. And if it takes you five times, then it takes you five times. It takes you ten times, it takes you ten times. That's okay. You just keep bringing it fresh, like, Lord, help me stay focused, and that will come with time. Holy Spirit, he loves to do this. He loves to do that. Number four, I would say that if you do not have a consistent reading schedule already, just commit to three minutes. If you already have a consistent one, then just read whatever you're already reading. But let's just say, for the sake of the matter, we're going to say, I'm going to read for three minutes. I'm going to read for three minutes. I can commit three minutes. If the average American is consuming 6.58 hours a day for just entertainment, we can commit three minutes, right? It's an easy number. And you read, and then when the Holy Spirit illuminates his word for you, you stop right there. You're like, ah, that's for me. That's for me. And the more you read your Bible, the more times you're like, oh, I've already read this passage, you know, a dozen times, 50 times. But like every time there's something different that the Holy Spirit is communicating. That's what we ought to do. Next one, pick that moment and just sit there and think about it. Maybe we're thinking about three minutes of reading and now we're just going to sit there and we're going to sit for three minutes and we're just going to think about that. Let the words just keep playing in your mind. Ask those words questions. Who is this for? What does this mean? Why is this here? How does this relate to what's going on in my life? Just spend some time thinking about those exact words. How could I apply this to my life today? And for the last three minutes, so we got three minutes, three minutes, three more minutes, just pray those words right back to your God. He loves it when his children know his word. He loves it when they come with their hands full of of the good things that he's already given them. You pray it back. You love him. You thank him. So three, three, and three. Easy. Anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. Um, for me, I, uh, I have this. And um, every, every day, I, I just, I, I'll, I'm going through like three different parts of the Bible. I always do one part of the Proverbs. I do a Psalm. And uh, I'm reading two or three chapters of wherever I am in the Bible. And so as I'm going, I, I just read. And then as soon as I have something, I'm like, that's it. That's the thing for me. I'll just sit, spend some time writing about it. And then throughout the day, which brings me to the next part, as your day's going on, just carry this around. Like, I mean, if I can pick up my phone, I can pick this up. I, if I can scroll endlessly through things, I can just remind myself of the verses that I'd already seen. It only takes a couple of minutes. And oftentimes, that's how much boredom I need to fill anyways. I don't need you know, a limitless amount of like scrolling, doom scrolling, doom scrolling, doom scrolling. Right? Sometimes I only have a couple of minutes, and this is just an easy way for me to keep it fresh in my mind. When you close your day, when you close your day, just go for a walk. It doesn't have to be long. Just think back those things. Keep that meditation from the morning throughout the day and in the evening and just be like, Lord, yes, you said that you were loving and kind and wow, did I feel that today. Lord, you said that you were faithful and I did not act faithfully today. Would you forgive me? Because we were talking about this morning. Whatever it is, a couple of minutes. This is the God of the universe who loves you, who died for you, 
right? He's the God who created all good and wonderful things. And he says, spend time with me. And again, the average American is spending hours and hours and hours and hours on just entertainment. And usually entertainment that doesn't even last very long. Here today, gone tomorrow. Got a couple additional thoughts here. When you read your Bible, read slowly. It's not a race. It's a marathon. Lifetime. If you read through it 30 times, great. I don't know. There's not a gold star that you're going to get at the end. If you read it through it 50 times, okay, cool. You know, come by. I'll give you a pat on the back, right? If you read through it once a year or if you read it once every two years, you know, what, the pace that's right for you and the Lord is the pace that's right. But we should always be reading. We should always be reading. Meditation is like a banquet that you've been invited to. It's not in and out. You're not trying to get in and out of it as quickly as possible so you can do other things, right? The Lord has prepared this banquet. Feast on my loving kindness. Okay, I'm going to do other things now. Does it really? I mean, like, it, I, I love that you said amen. She gets it, right? It's like we, we go through our life and we're just like, why do I do that? I know what's true and yet I just don't do the thing that I know to be true. In 1 uh, Timothy says, uh, train yourself for godliness. Bodily training has some value. Godliness is a value in every way as it holds a promise for this life and the life to come. Discipline yourself. Discipline yourself. You get to spend time with the God of the universe. You have 1,440 minutes in a day. Can you give nine if you're not? Can you give 18? Okay, maybe, well, slow down, Justin, right? I say it out loud and you're just like, yeah, I, I, maybe I'm not spending the time that I could be. Train yourself to think about your busyness the right way, right? Yes, there are concerns that you have. It's not as pressing as your time with the God who loves you and who wants to set your day off right. You might not be interested. And I would say, because I oftentimes say this, um, especially to my youth students. If, if you're not interested in reading the Bible, you're reading the Bible wrong. This is the most exciting book of ever. And the Christian life is not just like, oh, okay, it's a bunch of rules, things I can't do. No, the Bible is, here's all of the things you get to do and you get to join the winning tide and you get to fight daily against the powers of darkness. It's just not very interesting. <laughs> Frame your mind in the way that it lets you see like, oh, right, I am already in a battle, I might as well put on some armor. I might as well take up a weapon and do battle rightly because God is good and faithful. You might just be lazy. <laughs> you might say to yourself, yeah, but Bible reading is just what like pastors do and meditators, not meditators, uh, elders do. Uh, I don't got time. I don't do other things, right? I think about my student. Again, 12 hours on TikTok. I'm like, girl, you, you are making some bad choices. Uh, and it is starting with your phone. She's like, how do I stop? I'm like, if I was your dad, this is what I would do. I would take my phone, okay, all right, take a hammer, and then just break it. My phone? I said, your life? Your life is being poured into this machine that doesn't care about you. I think oftentimes we Christians, because we live in America, because, you know, things are pretty good. You know, as bad as they are, things are pretty good all of the time. I think we get into the idea that, you know, you've, you're on like a cruise ship. Everything's just supposed to meet your needs. You're not on a cruise ship. 
You are on a battleship and you have a station and you are told to man it. How long do you man it for? Your whole life. And you look at your Lord and you say, did I do it? And he looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Is that worth fighting that laziness? Is that worth fighting the, just the little distractions throughout the day? Final thought. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is pictured as a blazing fire. And that's a good image. That's a good image to just be thinking about. The logs that you put onto that fire is your time reading and meditating on God in your life. The Holy Spirit's always going to be there. But what is your life going to be like? Is it going to look like a little baby flame, a little candle? It's going to be a big bonfire. Powerful. The more you meditate, the higher the flames go. The greater the light for others to see. And if you fail to read your Bible, that fire is just going to go lower and lower and lower. Or imagine just taking a bunch of sand and dumping it on that fire, which is what I would call engaging in willful sin. We want to be people of God. We want to keep our ledgers short. We want to be thinking about the Lord and being like, today is your day. I'm going to rejoice in it. And I am going to live for you. But it starts here. We get to choose the lens that we view the world in. Let's pick the right lens. Let's be joyful. We're already victorious. Our God is a good God. Now take out this topics for meditation for you that everyone should have. And if you didn't have one, I believe that there are probably some out there. You're like, I don't know where to start. If you have an issue, and I assume that we all have issues, if you have a pet sin that you are nursing, like a little baby viper, and it's just one day going to bite you, you know, whatever. You know you. I don't know you. Find, find your thing in here. And this is just a, uh, a, a way that you can move through the Bible meditating on a specific issue, right? And you can go through it. Um, Ask the Lord to help you. And if you are totally good and you, you're like, I looked through this list, I don't have, I don't need any assurance, that's okay. Then you can just go through the Bible, rejoicing in the banquet set before you. It's a good life. It's a good time to be a Christian. It's a great time to be awake. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we are so grateful for your love, for your compassion, for your kindness the fact that you have set a table before us with good, nourishing things to eat. You know, if there are people in this congregation that feel suddenly aware that they've been consuming junk food or nothing at all, that their hearts have been meditating on wickedness and sin rather than the King of kings and Lord of lords, I just pray that we would all move forward because your mercies are new every day, that we would be grateful for your kindness and that we would take seriously your words because it is our very life. We love you, and it's in your name we say, amen.